Praise the Lord, saints. This is Apostle Kevin Britt. We're here with Ernest Jones, and we're also here with Pastor C from the church. Praise God. And, you know, just so that you know, we get together kind of at one o'clock just to pray together and to share a little bit, but we really don't rehearse anything. So everything you hear is a movement of God. This is First Century Christ Church uh, International, our Divinity College. Everything you hear is a fresh movement of God, and it's going to be whatever God ministers in the moment, but focused on the text. Amen. So we want to welcome the students for First Century Christ Church Divinity College. And then we also want to work, welcome all those auditing. I know we've invited some for the first time to audit the school and audit the classes. We want to keep things open so people know what they're getting themselves involved in. There's great freedom to come and there's great freedom to go. So there's no one insisting that you be here and take it as a matriculated class. My, my wife, Pastor Jennifer Britt, is just welcoming all of you. Welcome, family. Praise God. And we're going to open up with a word of prayer and we're going to go right in. Amen. Because we can tend to get in deep and we want to make sure you get all the meat that the Lord is releasing in the moment. Amen. Father Lord, we just thank you, my God, for service, Lord. I think some see service as a burden, but Father, we see it as a blessing that you chose to use us for something, that you chose to utilize us to glorify your name, that you didn't have to choose to use us. You could have sent your angelic host to do the assignment. They're holy and pure, and they'd have done a better job than us. You could have done it yourself exclusively by your Holy Spirit, because your Holy Spirit is perfect in God himself, and he would have done an effective and more effective job than us. In fact, to a large extent, because we do have a sinful nature, the best thing we could do when our natural self is get in the way. So let us get out of the way right now in the name of Christ Yeshua. Help us to get out of the way and come into complete submission to you. Help us to get out of the way and come into complete brokenness to you. You said ours was not a spirit of timidity, but of power and sound mindedness. So even as we go into your logos, my God, I pray for a Rima release of the divine nature so that the souls may be awakened in their spirit. Somebody needs a spirit of encouragement may they receive it here today somebody might need a word may they receive it here today somebody might just need an edification and knowledge may they receive it here today may we get out of the way though we have a platform by which we are instructed to cover may you speak through that platform and minister through the divine nature to give wisdom unto the souls we thank you, my God, in Yeshua's name. And everybody says, amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. So let's just do some quick introductions for those of you who are new. Pastor C, who is down there to, I guess, I guess she's, she's to my right. She may appear to your left. I don't know how it appears on the screen. But she is the pastor for the church Philly. And the church Philly is a very powerful movement. I was connected with their service this morning. Okay. And I heard a powerful word of God. And I want you to know there's a lot of fluff in the body of Christ. There's a lot of hype in the body of Christ. There's no hype in the church Philly. I don't exalt them. I don't cover them. I'm not the apostle over them. We just have a relationship in the Lord. We recognize their anointing. We see the glory of God and we want to see it magnified within the body of Christ for it is desperately needed. And if you are a member of First Century Christ Church Divinity College, just want to remind you, please just comment that you're present because my wife is keeping attendance for the school. And so please comment, I'm here. That's all you have to do is say, or God bless, any comment, and then we'll know 
school family is here. And if you're auditing, amen, you'll be blessed. Even if you're not part of the school, you will also be blessed. We also have Ernest here from Maryland. Ernest is a powerful man of God. We're about to see an ordination for him into the pastoralship. There's a church planting that he has uh, that he's embarking on in the Maryland area. And now, hey, with this pandemic, he, he might be embarking in it in Maryland and he might have members in it from Kenya. You know, who knows who's going to come in contact with these ministries. But I see a powerful revival birthing through these saints. For those of you who are part of the school and you want to keep record of where you are, you are in lesson three. We're going through the Bible in the first year. This is the institute year, okay? And so first year is institute. Second year is going to be church history, okay? So we're on the institute level. Lesson one, we covered Genesis 1 through 6, 8. Second week, we covered Genesis 6, 9 through 11, 32. And today we're covering Genesis 12, 1 through 17, 27. There are a lot of ways to read the Bible. We have chosen to follow the Torah portions way. So this is actually the Torah portions reading for Hebrew year 5781, which basically is 2020 slash 2021, because uh, the Jewish calendar, the, the year starts in October. We're not in any way trying to impose upon you Messianic Judaism. It was an approach to also expose you to Messianic Judaism at the same time as going through the Bible in the years. So we're going to accomplish multiple things at one time. So I've talked quite a bit. I'm going to let Pastor C share a little bit, whatever she feels is on her heart to share about her church and her ministry. And then Ernest also will get a chance to share. Hey, everybody, I'm Pastor C from the church Philly in Philly. Um, just excited to be here. Um, being able to learn one under Apostle is just um, an amazing thing. Um, like I said, we've connected, like he said, we've connected here in a short period of time, but God has moved mightily through him. Um, I just, I'm going to give y'all a little peer into a little bit of relationship goals. Um, the other night we were just on a call, just talking about a few things and he began to pour into us some knowledge and some study. And it's just good to be able to have that connection in the body of Christ. And that's really what this is. Um, and so we are the church Philly. You can follow us at the church Philly everywhere, everywhere is at the church Philly. And so, um, we just pray that the Holy spirit leads you the fellowship with us. And if he doesn't lead you to fellowship with us, we pray that the Lord lead you um, to be in the house of God in a ministry that's on fire for the Lord. So we're excited. We're excited. And I, I love y'all and I'm excited to be here. And I can't wait to see what the Lord is going to do today because it's always something dope that's happening up in here. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, first, I would like to say, um, man, I, I had a chance. I didn't, I, unfortunately, I missed Pastor C's uh, Bible study live, but I had a chance to listen to it this morning um, from Thursday. And the Lord was just like showing me her heart. The fact that she said that, you know, she had a, she she's receiving this revelation from Apostle and taking it in. And the fact that She's gone back and done the research and has encouraged her members to attend the school. Um, and she she basically covered them like a mother. Like, guys, I've done the research. It's free. It's legit. You you guys, I want you to learn. For for a, a leader to do that, you, you don't come across that too often. Um, learn from, from my teacher. 
well, here I'm gonna I'm gonna allow all of us to to come under this and learn. Not not me learning and then regurgitate it back to you, but no, you learn and you get your own revelation, you build your own relationship with the Lord. I heard that that was just awesome. Again, um, I heard your message this morning. I thought that was beautiful, I thought that was deep. Um I, I didn't I when you started with the story, I didn't know where it was going, but I, I, I encourage everybody out there on Facebook, um, if you can uh get in get in connection with the church philly on their page go listen to their listen to their uh thursday bible studies listen to their sunday sermons they got friday noon prayer on instagram they got uh prayer calls on monday mornings or wednesday mornings at 6 a.m uh connect with all this stuff i mean in this season you know we're giving y'all no excuse not to be able to connect with some some honorable truly chosen people of god so and uh, yes, like uh, Apostle said, um, soon and very soon, I'll be launching here uh, in the great state of Maryland. So uh, I look forward to that and look forward to what's to come from uh, today. All right. Sorry about that, Saints. I was trying to. Oh, unmute all right, my, we're back. Yeah, I tried to unmute myself, and in the process of trying to unmute myself, I kind of froze my camera and took you guys down. But hopefully, you can still hear me now on the audio. But um, I want to just say that um, the key to ministry development, because I know there's some people auditing the school, and understand you're not going to get a sermon today. This is a Bible Divinity Institute and Bible Divinity College, and our objective here is to educate you according to the word and the gospel and the truth of Christ Yeshua. So that's that's our objective. However, you cannot learn in an academic world. You cannot learn in an academic world because in an academic world, you're going to learn natural things. If you're going to learn divinity, you have to learn it in the Rima, in a spiritual context, okay? And, um, and don't worry, I'm still working on resolving this video problem. I, I don't know what's going on here with my video, but we'll get it worked out. Thank God that you can still hear me. And what I want to emphasize to you in the spirit is that there are two dynamics that go on. And some of these students, you keep hearing this all the time. And you're like, how many times are we going to keep hearing the same thing? But be, be blessed. Allow other saints to be blessed by what you already know by allowing them to rehear it. But the fact of the matter is that there are a lot of schools that teach from a academic perspective, the Bible. And so you don't really get a connection in the Rima. And then there are a lot of schools that teach in the, um, what you would call a uh, Rima environment, but really what you get is a lot of sermon and you don't get a lot of the, the, the logos. So what you need to be receiving is the logos that activates the Rima, okay? A lot of Rima and no logos, because Rima means spirit, but how many of you know the enemy is also a spirit, okay? So you got a lot of Rima and very little spirit, okay? Um, excuse me, you got a lot of Rima and not enough logos, you're not going to be activated properly. If you've got a lot of logos and not enough Rima, you're going to become dogmatic and legalistic, and you're not going to be activated 
properly. What you need is the right logos activated in the Rima so that you rightly divide the word of truth in the spirit. You don't want to rightly divide the word of truth in the natural. You want to rightly divide the word of truth in the spiritual. The fact of the matter is you can't rightly divide the word of truth in the natural. It just becomes issues of logic. Amen. And so, and also when you hear other people talking and you see my eyes moving, it's not a reaction to what they're saying. We're not yet at the place where we have somebody to command all the different video screens and the text screens. I'm doing that as we're going through with the class. So if you see my eyes moving, it's because I'm looking to see what's in the chat and I'm looking to see who's there. We're going to shout out at Angela Hicks, prophetess. Praise the Lord. Let's build a family relationship in the spirit while we're activating in the logos. Let's take time to build that relationship. It's something that the pastor preached on today, which is very powerful. There's a lot of people flowing in word, but they're not flowing in relationship. And it's reflecting even oh in their other relationships because they're not right relationship with God. They don't got they don't have right relationship with the family, with the lost, with the brothers and sisters in the church. A lot of ministry, right, without a lot of supernatural ministering, because supernatural ministering comes by way of the spirit, comes from the Rima. So take the time to connect, Santo, glory to God. Take the time to connect. And these are going to be the scriptures we're covering today for the lesson. This is lesson three. For those of you auditing the school, you can go to our YouTube page. You can see the orientation. I kind of insist you see the orientation so you know how the school flows. You can also look at lesson one and lesson two to bring yourself up to date. It's open enrollment all year long. Obviously, the later you enroll in the year, the more catch up you have to do. But we will allow you to enroll. And then after you enroll, you'll then have to play catch up. We're already only on lesson three. So catch up doesn't require but so much. And for those of you who just want to be blessed, be here and just be blessed. Glory to God. Amen. So we're going to jump right into the scriptures now. We're going to start to address the issue of the call of Abraham. And you know, I, before we before we actually read any scripture or talk about Abraham, let's talk about what led up to Abraham. We talked about the creation of man and the divine nature of God covering man and the fall from grace. And man loses that divine nature and now appears in the natural. He's ashamed. He's afraid because he notices something is missing. That's that divine image over his mortal body. And so now he's flesh without spirit of God. He still had a soul, so there was some spirit in him, but it was his spirit, not his spirit in perfect communion with God. And so God prophesies in Genesis 3.15, a deliverance, okay, that's going to come by way of a woman and a seed, and the seed would destroy Satan, and a great chasm or enmity would exist between the seed of the woman and the seed of the devil, the seed of the serpent. We see that playing out with Noah, God remembering his promise, even though he hated man because of what they had done and regretted that he had created man. But he still saw Noah righteous in his time and he saved Noah in the ark, also completing Genesis 3.15 to redeem mankind. And then he says, he gives a prophecy through Shem that the descendants of the Shem's descendants, Noah gives this prophecy, would become the rulers of the world. You read the Noah account, you'll find that Shem is announced to become the ruler of the world. 
in the ultimate. And the Semites come out of the descendants of Shem, and now we get to the call of Abraham. And so when God calls Abraham, I think one of the most significant factors starts right here in the beginning. Let's talk from a perspective of relationship. Abraham's call in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And the Lord God said unto Abraham, leave your country and your people and your father and your household and go to the land I will show you. Now, notice he had to leave his country, leave his people and his father and his household and had to break off and go to the land in which the Lord was showing him. Now, the thing that you need to understand about that is when you give your life to the Lord, does not God say anyone who loves father, mother, sister, brother, wife, children, even their own soul greater than me cannot be my disciple. So Abraham couldn't have been a lover of his soul because Terah had power and authority and money and status. Abraham was going to detach from his greatness and in detaching from his greatness, he was going to go into a nomad situation where he had no anchor. Now, it's not that he didn't have a degree of wealth, but you're going amongst the people you don't know to a land you don't know. Abraham had to not Abram, who was, was his name at the time, of course, you could not, he could not have been concerned for his own personal well-being and make that journey because it didn't seem safe. He couldn't have been too sentimental about his father or he wouldn't have wanted to depart from him. He couldn't have been too sentimental about the country or he would not have been able to depart from it. So notice that you're gonna find the gospels and you're gonna find the apostolic scriptures in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, okay? And so right here, we see the basic guidelines for discipleship. The basic guidelines for discipleship appeared in Noah, right? When he told Noah, I need you to build an ark. It took him 120 years to build that ark. Preaching about something that he never saw before, which is rain. He had to believe in God. He had to trust God. He had to devote a good percentage of his life to building this ark. He had to be in odds with all of the rest of mankind who were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage, and they were taking no note. They were not even paying attention till the floodwaters came and washed them away. So you see discipleship in Noah. You see discipleship in Abram. We have this concept, and you're in school, saints, we're in, and you're in a collegiate school. So you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put on that hat of higher education in the spirit. We have a lot of people believing that there's an Old Testament and a New Testament, but the reality is the apostolic scriptures, which you refer to as the New Testament, is really the spiritual reality of the Hebraic scriptures which was an earthly, natural, literal shadow of a spiritual reality. If you want a little extra credit in your learning, it's not the time yet for it to be covered in class, but reread the book of Hebrews. And it breaks down how the Hebraic scriptures all the way up to the Mosaic law and through to the coming of Christ was all a shadow or a model, right? I like to refer to it as a product, prophetic symbolism, okay? A metaphor, a natural metaphor of a spiritual reality. The Gospels are in the Torah. The Gospels are in the Hebraic Scriptures. What you have is the Hebraic Scriptures and the Apostolic Scriptures, 
which is the spiritualization of Judaism, the spiritualization of the Hebrew scriptures. So I'm telling you that a good percentage of the saints in this world have been misoriented to the word of God and so misoriented that this is why we're launching this movement so that you can become properly oriented. And inside that proper orientation, you're going to become you're going to get into a greater alignment with God. And it's in that alignment that you're going to start hearing divine revelation. And this is where the prophetic anointing and the pastoral anointings and the evangelical anointings and the apostolic anointings start to elevate. Because as you get to the place where you're rightly dividing the word of truth, then you become lifted up in consciousness. So here we see Abraham being called to discipleship. He could have let him take his father, but he didn't want to. He could have told him, you can do it here in this country and then go to that country when you're comfortable. He didn't tell him that. He could have explained it in a much greater detail to give Abraham a certain level of comfort, but he didn't do that. Why? Because discipleship is about faith, belief, and walking with God. Faith and belief in walking with God. So when you engage yourself in this movement, you're going to learn the word in the spirit while learning the logos, amen? Because we wanna learn the word in the spirit. We don't wanna learn the word in the natural and we don't wanna go into the spirit without the word because we got that going on, right? We got that some places, right? Where they're going into the spirit without the word and they may be getting caught up in some errant spirits. Praise God. So we're not trying to bring judgment on anybody. We're only prophetically revealing truth. And it says in verse four, so Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Now it says that he went to this land and he then suffered a famine. Okay. And so we see in verse 10, it says, now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt. And we talked about this on Wednesday. And the pastor C, she's got a powerful anointing and word as well. And we were revealing some revelations about that. But the bottom line is, we don't really know whether Abraham was told to go to Egypt. But we know that God used it as a prophetic symbolism. Right? And of course, Abraham ended up leaving Egypt with wealth. So God took a situation that wasn't the most excellent, right? And he found a way to bless that situation and to give Abraham a benefit from it. But before the benefit, Pharaoh took his wife, right? And God had to let Pharaoh know, don't touch that woman. <laughs> you touch that woman, you're going to have a problem because she's a chosen woman of God. Pharaoh was upset with Abram and he told him, why would you not tell me this was your wife? Take your wife and go. Okay. But he didn't leave empty handed. Amen. Glory to God. And so Abraham comes back to the very same land he left, right? Pastor C, do you want to impart any part on this section? We're, we're, we're ending the coverage of chapter 12, if you'd like to share. Um, I think it was just, it's a couple of things that I wanted to uh, share. One, I loved how you said, um, we don't want to get the logos without the spirit. Um, but there was something that you said that I, that they might have missed last week when you were kind of talking about the logos and um, and you were talking about the logos being um, Jesus Christ, because the Bible says he is the word and in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. And so when you said that, it like dropped the bomb 
on everybody because it's like Jesus is the logo. So you can't go into the spirit without Jesus. Um, therefore, you can't transition into the spirit without the word of God because he is the word. Um, and I think it was another thing that you said. I just thought it was dope where you talked about, um, you know, just kind of Jesus being the word. So I just I just wanted to uh, I wanted to drop that because I feel like that that's something important, because sometimes when we talk about. Um, you can't be into the spirit with the word, especially with everything going on about spiritualism. And I can be a spiritual being and not read my Bible. I can have a connection and a true relationship with God and never pick up my Bible. And it's not true. You need the word because the word is Jesus Christ and word separated. There, There is no Jesus separated from the word that that is who Jesus Jesus is. Like you said, the revelation of the um of, of the story of the Bible. He is the full revelation of the Bible tells the story of Jesus Christ. It really does. And so I think that was dope. And then just the thing about the revelation in reference to um, what you talked about last week about Abraham going into Egypt and how we didn't have clarity on whether he was called to go to Egypt or not called to go to Egypt, but we did have the clarity that that symbolism passed down to um what we now what we see um in in Moses' story of taking the 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 Hebrew people or the um the Jewish people out of captivity in Egypt. And so when when you talked about that and you kind of talked about um them being removed and, and you you always talk about them the Hebrew people being the wife um and the symbolism in that and so I thought it was dope to see that Sarah was the wife of Abraham the one that was called and that she was then taken um into um you know taken under Pharaoh even though it wasn't captivity but it was one of those things where she went in um under the guise of of not being a married woman but the Lord would not allow him to to um, sleep with her and so then he began to give the plagues and then the difference between this pharaoh and the second pharaoh is that this pharaoh let her go willingly and quickly the other pharaoh god hardened his heart and so i just thought it was so much symbolism there that we we look past because we don't really see that story as 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 revelatory and so as you talk about how the bible and the torah um really walks out this thing that we begin to see in the gospels you realize also that the bible continues to prophesy um as it continues to walk out each and every chapter and so i just think that was dope i wanted to add that praise the lord Ernest. did you want to impart any peace on this chapter um, just, just real quickly, um, what I'm noticing is a pattern. You got, uh, you got Adam, you got Noah, you got Abraham, Abram, um, all were given a ministry all because of who they were, because who the Lord bade them were able to cover individuals. Um, all had a, had a journey, um, that led them into the, into a season of wilderness, whether it was ordained by God or not. And it's crazy because if you look at Jesus, it was the same exact thing. Only thing he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. So it, it's very it's 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 showing me that, that Jesus himself is coming alive through these words. And he's saying, do this, because when I get here, this is what I'm going to do. So I'm showing you prophetically who I am. 
and what's to come. And I want you to walk it out like this. And then when I get here, I'm going to do the same thing. I haven't asked you to do anything that I wouldn't do. Um, and that, and it, that's that's what I got so far. It's pretty interesting to see how it's it's playing out. I've, in my life, I've never seen it. Never seen so many similarities like this. Praise the Lord. And I want to just say that um, what's powerful about what you just said, which is very important, and we can walk past the intellectual academic aspect of this without getting the spiritual word, is each one of them were given a ministry and each one of them suffered an outcome linked to how well they performed within their ministry. A lot of people don't even realize Adam was given a ministry. He was told to, told to be fruitful and subdue the earth, to tend to the garden. So Adam had a ministry. He was his own, he was to perform this function under the absolute guidance of the Holy Spirit. And he was to not eat this fruit. That was his ministry. He didn't obey the not eating the fruit and it had a consequence. Noah had a responsibility also in his ministry, amen. And Abram also had a responsibility in his ministry. And the outcome of the ministries have to do with one primary thing, obedience, you know. And um, a lot of you didn't see Pastor C's uh, sermon. Um, it's on my page, by the way. And so go check out that sermon. It's also on Church Philly page um, because she talks about relationship, execution without relationship. So a lot of us hear this obedience piece and we go, yep, that's right. Adam didn't listen. Look at what happened. Then Noah listened, but then he got drunk and look at what happened. Now, Abram, he listened. So I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. But your emotions are not engaged. You're not purged of your iniquity. You're not, you're not, you're not driven to the cross in brokenness and submission. So it just becomes a I'm sorry. Um, I had a little glitch there. Mm -hmm. And I'll say also, Pastor yeah. C's sermon is on my page from this morning as well. I did um, share yeah, it. Sorry, I had a little glitch there. I had a little glitch there, but we're not going to let the enemy get the victory. And so um, the execution of duties without a heartfelt love is not what's called for. So what do we learn from this? We learn not only to walk in obedience to God, because we're called to walk in obedience to God, but to walk in obedience to God in brokenness and submission. The Pharisees mm. walked in legalistic obedience. Even the apostle Paul said he walked in legalistic obedience, but he did it. But he said that legalism, I consider rubbish that I might walk in brokenness and submission amen and so we need as disciples to walk in that brokenness and submission and inside that brokenness and submission we'll also get to see the same blessings that abraham got to see because abraham as a father was a typological example of how we should carry ourselves he was a man, but through his faith, he became a great man. Amen. And so in chapter 13, it goes on to talk about Abraham and Lot separated. And so in the subject of Abraham and Lot separating, 
And listen, for some of you who are wanting to connect, you got to get on the Wednesday Zooms as well. And I'll tell you why, because we go in a Wednesday Zoom. We go in, in. We're a little bit more conservative here because it's a broad band and across a broad network. And we don't need people getting misunderstanding. So we, we take a little bit more of a conservative path here. But on Wednesdays, we go in. So I just want you to know, if you want to connect connect with us on Wednesdays as well, but you will be blessed here. And so in chapter 13, we talk about Abraham and Lot separating. And, you know, uh, the big point for me, and I'll let the uh, the pastor and Ernest share as well. The big thing for me and Abraham and Lot separating is a constant pattern in the word of God. There's a constant pattern in the word of God that pertains to sticking with God's anointed. Who received the promise? Adam. But Eve decided to take another pathway, and Adam, of course, went with her. Who was given the promise? Noah. And for his family's obedience, they also got to join him on the ark. It doesn't say anything about his family being righteous. It had to do with him being righteous. We're talking about messianic anointing typology. Messianic anointing metaphor. Remember, with the college now, we're raising our consciousness. So... The metaphor of the messianic symbolism is found all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in the beginning. When God called Adam and Eve, the mission was given to Adam. Eve was made his helpmate. So in a sense, the promise was upon Adam, but the two of them were one. So the promise was also upon her. But she didn't consult her husband. She went and took the pathway of her own. And then he went and took the pathway of idolatry by pursuing the thoughts of his wife. And that's why God said, you listen to your wife. And now this is what has to happen. Okay. And so Noah was declared righteous in his time. Messianic metaphor, messianic typology. Hallelujah. And now we have Abram who received the promise from God. Lot didn't receive the promise. Abram received the promise. Yet they get, a, they get into a dispute over lands and herds and grazing rights. And then they have to separate. So my feeling is, if I was not the one that received the promise, let's say Ernest received the promise. You know what? I ain't going to get into a fight with Ernest. I don't care if it means I lose herds, I lose sheep. <laughs> Me and Ernest ain't getting into a fight. Why? Because I'm going to stick Santo. Oh, man, that's, that's, this is a powerful revelation, saints. I'm going to stick with God's anointed. The word of God says that these examples are put not for us to study them and get a degree, but so that we can learn from their experiences so that we do not make the mistake of the faithless but learn to follow the example of the righteous. So my big thing with the story of Abram and Lot getting separated is they got into a quarrel. And we're going to read uh, chapter 13, and we're going to start in verse 5, chapter, Genesis 13, 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Now, they're talking about them not being able to stay together in the physical aspect. Let me tell you something. If Ernest got the promise and I don't got the promise, if I got to give up herds and herdsmen and land, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to walk with the spirit of Ruth. May God 
deal with me ever so severely if any separation happens between me and you. Ruth was a Moabitess. She wasn't supposed to get nothing in this life, in this time, in the time period in which she lived. But because of her faithfulness, she became a mother of the messianic prophetic line because she would not depart from God's anointed. Now you Bible theologians will go, well, she wasn't God's anointed yet. <laughs> right, but to a Moabitess, any Jewess or Jew was God's anointed because the Jews were God's people and she was a Moabitess. So she was like, I might be from Moab, but I'm not stupid. I'm gonna stick with you because you are of God. And I was married to your son who was of God and he passed away. It is my right to stick with my mother-in-law. I also have the right to go get married again. Now, Lot had the right to separate from Abraham and keep his flocks and his herds and his tents. Or he could have said, look, uncle, circumstances are as it is. There's not enough for me to have my own and for you to have your own. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you my own. All I ask from you is that you promise me that my family line will always be directly associated with you. That would have been a whole lot better than going to Sodom and Gomorrah, don't you think? But for the sake of caring for his personal wealth, he took the choice to depart. Ah. And so for me, that's the big key for chapter 13. I'm going to open it up now for the pastor, if she would like to also speak on this subject. I really think that um, you fully covered that, uh, but I also uh, would like to also give that background that, you know, a lot of people wonder why Abraham would have took Lot in the first place. It was like, it's his nephew, you know what I mean? And I know we, we talked about this on Wednesday, right? Like, um, Elvis' his nephew, but Lot wasn't going because he didn't have, um, you know, because remember, if, if Abraham separated from the wealth, like the apostle said, that means Lot would have also separated from the wealth. They were not poor. And so when Lot separated, there had to be something more making him separate with Abraham. And the part that we a lot of times miss is that Lot's father passed away. So when they came into the land with um, with Terah, I think that's what his name was. When they came into the land with him, Lot did not have a father. So um, I believe that Abraham took on that role of fathering him. So when it was Abraham's time to leave, Lot did not second guess um, whether it was he would leave with him because it was almost like he took on that fatherly like type role. So when I think about the fact of them leaving and separating, um, not only would I not separate it from God, separate from God's anointed, but um, strife is not going to come up between me and my natural father or natural mother or the pe person who mothered or fathered me. And so when we look at that strife, we realize that Lot had a selfishness about him where he was um, really interested in acquiring his own. And so, no, I don't want to have Tara's wealth. No, I don't want to have Abraham's wealth. 
I want to have my own wealth and I'm not going to separate from my wealth. And because he did not want to separate from his wealth, he ended up separating from the anointing, uh, um, separating from the actual promise. And so I think it was something dope. Apostle said he was like, you know, Lot separated from the promise and lost his mind. And I never really thought about that. I never like every time I think about, you know, him, you know, having to go and just kind of being like a nomad and his daughter sleeping with him and all of these different things. But something Apostle pointed out was that he was crippled with fear. He was crippled with fear because he was outside of the anointing after what happened um, and the traumatic experience that happened to him in Sodom and Gomorrah after his wife died, you know, his son-in-laws died, the Lord's wrath was on the land and he was so fearful of the people, possibly still fearful of connecting himself to another group of people that God's judgment would be on. He lost his literal mind. And so it's, it's always important to, to remember um, those details of the story, because like uh, the apostle said, it's, it's one thing to understand the text, but it's another thing to immerse yourself in the text and learn what life, um, um, what, what, what life wisdom you can take out of it and you can partake from it. So I thought that that was dope when he talked about that last week and he talked about, he lost his mind and I'm flipping through scripture, like, well, hold up, hold up, hold up. And I'm rereading it. And I'm like, yo, boy really lost his mind. I was like apostle hitting that, you know what I'm saying? So it's something for us to really think about when we read these scriptures to like kind of really look at the state of the person um, after whatever move of God happens in their life, whether they're in obedience or disobedience and what that really looks like. Praise God. Ernest. Amen. Um, piggy, piggyback uh, what, what, what Pastor C just said, and I agree, Apostle, you did a great job of breaking it down. Um, we look at Adam, separation, Eve went, ate of the fruit. Adam then went, ate of the fruit. They became separated. Um separated from the Holy Spirit. You got Noah. You got the uh, the issue where Ham saw him uh, exposed and um, they were separated. Ham's line is then cut off. Boom. So you got separation there. You got Abraham, like we just covered, uh, with the lot separation, of course. Lot, we to this day, we don't really know what happened to him. Um, he died out in the mountains. And then when we bring it down to Jesus, you look at the separation um, with Judas um, and you look at what happened to him, as uh, Pastor C said, um, went and hung himself in the field. Um, you know, it's, it's very important that we look at these individuals after they separate and see exactly what happens to them. And like she said, in the, in the when it's happening, in the natural and right there, it's like, you know what, I deserve more, I need more, I'm not comfortable, I need to get away. And we, we, we separate and then boom. And then next thing we know, we don't see what's happening spiritually. We don't see that the Lord is getting ready to end this whole, these two towns, Sodom and Gomorrah. We don't see that we're about to lose our wife and our son-in-laws. We don't see that our, our, our daughter's about to turn on us. We don't see that we're going to be lost in the wilderness forever. We don't see that. And even Judas going back and throwing the money saying this wasn't even worth it, but it's too late. Praise the Lord. And for those of you who are joining us um, and for those of you who will be watching the recording, this is First Century Christ Church International Divinity College. And the objective of this college is to issue you a diploma in Bible history and then an associate's in uh, church history.
and then a, uh, another associates um, in um, divinity and another bat and then ultimately a bachelor's in divinity you can audit the classes without actually trying to matriculate or you can matriculate if you post your email address or if you inbox me your email address then um, i will definitely connect you to school it's a year-round enrollment you're given reading assignments before these presentations so if you're wondering why we're not going into in-depth we're hitting the highlights and we will also be willing to answer questions if you post them in the comments We'll answer questions either live, maybe on the air, or we'll answer the questions. Uh, my wife, Pastor Jennifer, is also there. She may answer the questions um, alive, or um, we'll answer them even in the recording. If you post the questions after the recording is posted, when one of us might respond to that. And so we touch on the highlights in the in the in the oratory portion. We're expecting you to have pre-read those scriptures beforehand, so that you could then either come with questions or listen to the highlights. And I'm very encouraged by the prophetic understanding here. How many of you know that the spirit of the gospel is a spirit of prophecy? Okay. And the spirit of the gospel starts in Genesis. The gospel starts in Genesis 3.15. The messianic call starts in Genesis 3.15. doesn't start in the book of Matthew. It starts in Genesis 3.15. And God prophesies the coming of a messianic deliverer. So I'm very encouraged by our leadership panel here that's here. Um, if you already have an anointing, we know we have some pastors that are looking to plug in with us as well. Um, if you have an anointing, we may pull you also on the panel. We're not about you sitting and rewinding to re-educate yourself from a place that you've already been educated, just like Pastor C and Pastor AK came aboard. And I'm like, you sit in a classroom? You got to be kidding me. We're going to put you up there because the people need to be blessed even as you're blessed, even as I'm being blessed by their blessing. So mm -hmm. there's too much two-dimensional ministry. One of the things we're going to get you out of is that mindset of two-dimensional ministry. And we're also going to remove ministry walls. So uh, I'm First Century Christ Church International. That's the ministry God has impregnated me with. Ernest is being impregnated with the ministry he's going to be launching in Maryland. I'm not going to release his church name, even though he already has it. And Pastor C is the pastor with her husband, Pastor AK, in the church in Philly. There are no fixed relationships. There's no higher ranking person over lower ranking people. We really need to get away from a lot of the afflictions that exist in ministry today. There are a lot of people that say it can't be done, so we're going to do it with you live on Facebook. We're going to do it live in the public eye so that nobody can say it can't be done because it's being done right here. Amen. And so we're going to move on to chapter 15. And in chapter 15, oh, is it 15? 14, I'm sorry, where Abraham rescues Lot. So we can see that Lot ends up in trouble in Sodom and Gomorrah. There's a big war. The kings go to war. Abraham then goes to war. There are a couple of key factors here that I like to, to highlight. One of them is when the king of Sodom looked to give the wealth to Abraham, Abraham rejected the wealth offered by the king of Sodom. He said, I will not have it said that the king of Sodom made me wealthy. And we talked about this some on Wednesday as well. And I want to really go into this because we need to learn how to rightly divide the word of truth. There are assignments that God is telling you not to do, but they have a physical blessing if you do those assignments anyway. And you know God is telling you not to do it, but you're looking at the wealth benefit. You're rocking with the spirit a lot. 
Lot went to Sodom, got kidnapped, had to get rescued by Abraham. You'd think after he got rescued by Abraham, he'd have got the message, oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't think I should... Uh oh, give us a second, people. All right, All right back. back. We're actively working on getting rid of those glitches. I'm so sorry. But um, I, again, I would have thought he would have developed the mindset. I'm sorry. I still think I'm having a sound issue here. Let me see if it goes away. We hear you. It does appear to be going away. Yes, okay. No, there's some popping going on on my side from my sound. Oh. We are working on fixing those issues, Saints, but let's just give us grace, even as <laughs> grace is being extended to you through Christ Yeshua, amen? So um, the, the, the important part of that is that Lot's already seeing, right, that he shouldn't have separated, right? And then he decides to uh, do it anyway, and then he comes back and has to get rescued, right? And so then they're trying to, my wife's letting everybody know we had a little technical difficulty. And so we're, we're, we're trying to show this point that Lot should have at that second occurrence said, you know what, uncle, I think this ain't working out with me going to the Sodom thing. You can have the flocks, you can have the herds, just keep me in the promise with you. But he didn't decide that. And then we see the wisdom of Abraham not taking the money from King Sodom, okay, the king of Sodom, okay, we're now in, in chapter 14 of Genesis. How many of us are rocking with that spirit a lot? Right, so that's where we left off, right? How many of us are rocking with that spirit a lot? There's wealth and there's Jesus who has the promise. Am I going to be lot, my money, my wealth, my benefits, my income, my resources? And so, because Jesus will give you your resources. Hey, those are your resources. You're absolutely right. That's your money. That's right. And it's your life too. There's the two directions. You can go that way, I'll go that way. Or you can go that way and I'll go that way. You got choice. And which one of us is going, you know what? Forget that. You can have the herds, the tents, the, the, the flocks. <laughs> Nothing's mine. It's all yours. Just keep me in the promise. But Abraham senses that if he takes money from the king of Sodom, it's gonna be a scourge upon him. So he rejects King Sodom's money. And then the second thing, of course, that's interesting, which created a great conversation on Wednesday as well. And that's the discussion about, uh, is that is that here? Uh, yes, the discussion of Melchizedek, yes, yes, yes. So in some of the Jewish circles, Messianic Jewish circles, and just Judaic circles in general, it is generally believed that King Melchizedek, Melchizedek, the king of Salem, might have actually been Shem, who was still alive at the time. And there's an interesting part in the Bible where it talks about Christ Yeshua being anointed priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of an appointment. And if we follow the Jewish custom that Shem was Melchizedek, if Shem was Melchizedek, then he was the father of all the Semites. And as the actual great grandfather of all the Semites, he held 
reigning position over all the Semites. He wasn't a priest by virtue of appointment like Aaron, but he was a priest by factual definition, being the most senior man alive of the entire family line, which Christ would be the most senior man alive in the entire family line, which would make him made priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. So interesting revelations to take there. And then I'll release the pastor C if, if she wants to add or, or uh, bring further enlightenment. No, I'm just gonna ask you to um don't be don't be glossing over that Melchizedek, all that stuff that you dropped the last time. Don't gloss over that. Don't do that to the people on live today. Don't do that. You better go ahead and talk about how he was the priest and how how he blessed Abraham. Stop playing. That's all I'm gonna say. Stop playing. Give us the rest of this and be giving us a little bit of crumb. Y'all not listen the thing, y'all better come on Wednesday because y'all missing out because he be going in. And it's, it's, it's different on Wednesday because you can see everybody's face and you can see the reactions and the questions are flowing. But he went in on this text. He pulled out so much revelation um, just in reference to what was going on. And it, it enlightened me, y'all. So I'm not even going to touch this because it's, I feel like, um, what, what, what was the guy? Um, dun, 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 can't touch this. I can't touch oh, this. You know, MC Hammer, it ain't mine to touch. Like, Apostles, stop tripping. You finish, finish telling us about this Melchizedek. Don't, don't be glossing over this. Praise the Lord. And, and you know, <laughs> what I want to share about, what I want to share, and this is really deep, saints, is that for a long time in the body of Christ, I was a teacher. And um, I started with the teaching anointing. When God anointed me in the apostolic, he anointed me with a reamer wisdom. And so I go into teaching prophetics. And so the reality is I can't give you what I gave you Wednesday because it was a now movement of a divine nature. I don't even remember exactly what I said because it was like a flowing. And if any of you have a prophetic gift, no. When God go pat and he hits you with a prophetic word, it just vroom, And all you're doing is testing spirits to make sure the enemy don't stick nothing in the mix. So you're there testing spirits and shit. Testing spirits, release that, that's God. No, don't release that, that ain't God. Don't release that, that's God. You, you can't even hear it. You know, so guess what? Wednesday is recorded, though, by the way, and Wednesday is recorded and um, we're going to put the Wednesday podcast out. OK, now that Pastor season slipped the bird there and let everybody know that. Um... <laughs> Listen, uh -uh. Don't put it out. This is Bible school. Register and come to Wednesday. The point is, is that you need to be registering for class. This wisdom, this fellowship, this anointing that is dropping on this apostle, the wisdom that he is putting out, the, the study, the detail of the study that he goes into, it is imperative that you are registered, getting the information by email. You are being, you are being um, um, led properly in, in the, the stuff that you just can't get on a live or on a podcast the questions that you can ask, not just on a live on a podcast. So I would say, even if the apostle decides to put it out, you need to be registered for Wednesday classes because it's something like he said, that's happening right there in that room that you're going to miss if you're not registered. So register, register and get in school. It's free. That's the thing. If he's not going to do the commercial, let Pastor C do the commercial. This is free. <laughs> 
Divinity College, all right? Register, stop playing around, stop trying to get all the dang on meat and your butt don't want to come to the dinner table. Go to the dinner table, stop, stop, it's free. It's, it's not, you're not losing nothing. Just going ahead and register so you can get this word. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So I, I will give you a brief of, of a little bit of what was covered on Wednesday. And that is that the key about this pointing in the order of Melchizedek is that everything that went on in Judaism, though it happened first, is really symbolic of the spiritual reality. So even though the spirituality in the timeline happened second, it really is first. The earthly movement appears first in the natural for us to give us consciousness to see it in the spiritual. So Melchizedek is not, okay, let me, let me put it to you another way. Yeshua was not made king in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was actually made king in the order of Yeshua. So that when Yeshua came, you would understand the order of Melchizedek. The big problem is when you see something in the natural first, you tend to pump the spiritual aspect as some second occurrence. But the only reason for the first occurrence was to give the revelation of the second occurrence. I need a mic so we can drop it. Boom. That's what I'm talking about. Boom. It just happened that quick. <laughs> and we give all glory and I want to share something with you, saints. Everything you're hearing here, I did not learn in a, in a seminary school. I didn't learn it in a divinity school. I learned it through submission and obedience. And what happens is when God righted my alignment, then revelatory wisdom got released. We're not here to put something in you. Education really is educare. Educare means to draw something out of you. So what we're working on is giving you the right logos in the giving you the right logos in the right rima to awaken the rima that's already in you if you're a born again disciple in Christ Yeshua. So I want you to not so marvel in what you're hearing as much as to receive in revelation so that your alignment, your tuning knob gets better tuned into the Holy Spirit because there's a lot of stations and all of them is demons. The only one station is God. <laughs> okay, so you got this radio, right? With the, with the broadband knob and the fine tuning knob. You remember the old school hi-fis? The broadband tuning knob and the hive and, and the fine tuning knob. And so all the stations, and yes, I'm gonna go there. You know how all the stations played something you didn't like back in the day. There was only like two stations that might play something that you like. <laughs> okay. And you had to remember those two stations. There was one time when it was only one FM station and one AM station. If you understand, then you understand. <laughs> okay. If you don't understand, don't worry. Let's keep it going. But there was only one station on the FM dial and only one station on the AM dial. And you killed yourself trying to find that station. Praise the Lord. So I want you to see this in the spirit mm. realm. In the kingdom of God, there's this radio and there's a lot of stations. All them stations is demons, except for one station. 
So the greater your alignment goes, all that hissing and all that double talk and hearing from other stations you hear and half from the station you want to hear from and half from the station you don't want to hear from, okay? That's where you get the fine-tuning knob. Like I got a hi-fi with hi-fi speakers and it can't go into hi-fi mode till it's exactly on the station. What this is doing is putting you exactly on the station by writing your consciousness by writing your consciousness and getting you in a right alignment and then you will start what's that term we used to use spit knowledge right you'll start spit knowledge you didn't even know you had because it wasn't you that had it it was always the holy ghost that had it and once you got right alignment with the holy ghost you started releasing from out of the holy ghost something you didn't even know because you still don't know it because it's the holy ghost if you understand what I'm saying. So all of these things are extremely, extremely important. And that's why we're bringing this to you here today. So I thank Pastor C for illuminating the need to be on Wednesdays. And don't let her fool you. She's on Wednesdays as well, along with her husband, Pastor AK. So, and then there's other people. My wife, Pastor Jennifer, she's also on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays is a broad, because everybody's shown then. And then the wisdom of the release of everybody's anointing gets dropped onto the atmosphere. So the let me say, I, I got I got to put a plug in real quick. Go ahead. Pastor Jennifer, man, is like, the mouth of God. That woman is dynamite. The same thing, same thing with my husband passed the AK man. But to hear, like last Wednesday, to hear the Lord speak through her wrecked the room. Wrecked the room. So if you think apostle is moving in the spirit, wait, wait till you encounter his wife outside of these comments. All right. These the, wait till y'all encounter her outside of these comments. It is it it, it is a joint. It's just it's beautiful to see them two move in the spirit together. So y'all just just be there on Wednesday. That's I can't say it enough. It is written. It is a blessed thing when the brethren fellowship in unity. It's like oil poured upon the head of Aaron, dripping down off his beard. And you have three different ministries here. We don't have, listen, we don't hobnob. And somebody might say, can we get back to the teaching? This is part of the teaching. Relationship. We have a lot of Christianity in which there's a lot of knowledge, but nobody can interact with another ministry or another brother or another sister unless it's authorized by somebody. We have a lot of a relationship dysfunction in the body of Christ, because there's a lot of pursuit of biblical knowledge without right relationship application. And we have this world where people are saying, I just need you to give me the Bible knowledge. You know, can we get back to the word? This is part of the word. Part of the word is representing this unity. Pastor C's in Philadelphia. I mean, we haven't even met personally yet. <laughs> That's coming up, but it hasn't happened. Ernest, we've known for years. We just personally met him a few weeks ago when we were talking about doing some ministry work together. He's like, well, at least we could meet face to face first. <laughs> I'm like, amen. But I test spirits. And when I see God, you don't got to be in first century Christ church. You don't got to even, you don't even need to acknowledge my apostolic anointing. If I see the anointing of God on your life, I'm going to speak to that. And it doesn't require any accolade coming my way. Saints, 
we need to bring down the barriers. Christ said the world would know that we are his children by the way we love one another. And for the most part, what the world gets to see from us is division. So um, what we're going to go back to the chapter 15, which refers to uh, God's covenant with Abraham. So God then starts to make this covenant with Abram, right? And inside the covenant with Abram, he starts to talk about how he's going to have a son and how he's going to become the father of a great nation and that his descendants would be huge and that those descendants would go off at some point into exile, but then would also return to this land. So God is now laying upon him a blessing. What's significant to me about this is look at all the paces God put Abraham through as he keeps reaffirming his covenant. And, you know, when you say yes to God, you qualify for the next miracle. When you say yes to God, you qualify. If Abraham didn't go, God wouldn't have said yes. If Abraham didn't walk in obedience, God wouldn't have been able to say yes. God took him through faith manifesting experiences before he elevated him again. And he even has another elevation coming on after that. But again, it takes him through other faith experiences. What about you? What about your faith experiences? What faith experiences are God taking you through? Where are you potentially stuck in your advancement in the glory of God? Because God is waiting for that yes. He can't give you the next revelation till he gets the next yes, but you still stuck on saying yes. So you're wondering why God's not moving and God's like, as soon as you say yes, I'll be ready to move. And you see in the case of Abraham, how many times does he tell, re-talk to him about the covenant? And always after some major experiences in which Abraham passes through. Amen. Does anybody want to share on chapter 15? Um, I just also think sometimes we move quickly into things, right? Um, the thing about what the apostle said in reference to faith. Um, experiences to, to, to build his, his faith for the next phase of what he's called to do. And so our calling happens in phases. Um, you know, he was told that God was going to send him to a land and the promise and all of these different things, but he didn't get the, the pro he didn't get to the promised land as soon as he left. He saw the promised land. God showed him what he was going to give to him, but he settled in a place that was not the promised land. And so we have to understand that God gave Abraham a promise, but in the midst of giving him that promise, there were phases of faith that had to be built. There was, there was things that had to be broken off of him. There were things that had to be groomed in him. There was, um, there was loyalty um, to God and, and, and the word of God and an understanding of, of who God was to him that had to be groomed. And then the Lord had to, to finally check his heart posture. Um, to know if he truly, truly loved him by asking him to offer up his son. So all of these things, the heart, the heart check came after the faith building. You know, it was all of these things were happening and all of this was was coming to pass. And then finally, the Lord said, well, I know up until this point that you've been through all of this. And now I finally given you what you wanted. Now the heart check is where you give it back to me. That that goes with us. 
I told you that you were going to be a minister. I told you that you were going to have that job. I told you. And now you went through all these years of testing and struggle and faith building. And finally, I give you what I told you that I was going to promise you. I give you a portion of it. And then I ask for it back. Will you give it back to me? Mm. And so, um, I love the way uh, uh, you broke that down because I, I think sometimes we forsake um, the building and, and what needs to happen to get us where God has called us to be or to get us to the promise. Amen. Um, I don't really have too much to say. I had something to say, but that was that was pretty good. Uh, that, was, that was pretty good. I, I, amen. I just say this. Uh, it took Noah 120 years. Never seen rain before. Uh, the Lord used to water the ground, water the earth from under the ground. Um, and took Abraham, what, 99, 100 years to have even a child. Uh, 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 well, a child that the Lord uh, the Lord approved of to, to carry out the, 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 um, the uh, covenant. So, yeah, it takes time. Patience. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we're going to go on to chapter 16, and it talks about Hagar and Ishmael. Now, a lot of people preach on the faithlessness of, of, of Sarai and Abram. Um, and for those of you who don't know the story, Abraham's name gets changed to Abram's name gets changed to Abraham. We'll cover that at another at, at in chapter 17. And um, Sarai's name gets changed to Sarah. So I just wanted you to know that when I say Sarai, I'm talking about Sarah. When I say Abram, I'm talking about Abraham and vice versa. A lot of people talk about the faithlessness of Abraham not to wait on the child through Sarai. But understand that their custom at the time was if you were not able to bear children, that you could give up your maidservant for the purpose of bearing children. Abraham didn't actually marry Hagar. I've seen some people make the comment that Abraham married Hagar. He never married Hagar. He was always only married to Sarah. Sarah gave the maidservant Hagar to Abraham to bear a child that she would ultimately raise. Problem is Hagar was an Egyptian woman and she did not come up under those semi customs. And so since she didn't come up under those semi customs and her mind, I gave him a son. You didn't give him a son. I'm a better wife than you are, but she was never his wife. So if you read the story, Sarah sounds like she's kind of schizoid. Okay, you gave me, you give him this woman. Then the woman gets pregnant and has a child. Then the woman starts acting up. And now you blaming him, but you're the one that gave him the woman. But the reality is they expected Hagar to abide by a custom that she was not familiar with. And her failure to be familiar with that custom caused her to misinterpret her role and then the role of the child. She was supposed to consider it an honor to have bore her master, her Sarah, a child. She should have considered that an honor that Sarah saw fit to let her be a surrogate mother to her child and surrender the child to Sarah. Even though it's not in the text here, any sound study would expose that that's not what happened. Hagar took a covetous relationship with the child and was not releasing the child to Sarah, which was making Sarah upset. And Sarah expected Abraham to step in and do something about it. And Abraham left it to Sarah. 
men of God, how many times are your wives expecting you to step up and assume authority and you're standing in their sidelines saying, well, that's not my responsibility. That's your responsibility. How many of you know that everything in the house, men, is your responsibility, even if you're not doing it directly yourself? You see, so we need saints to to understand that that wisdom that's also being released here. So Agar Hagar gives uh, uh, gets pregnant with a child for Sarah, and she gets kicked out because it already looks like Hagar ain't gonna do the right thing. And we need to give Abraham a break because that was actually a custom of theirs. And he, however, should have waited. It's easy for us to say he should have waited because we have hindsight, which is twenty twenty. But how many of us, when God gives us a promise, get a little impatient and try to leap the promise into action outside of the perfect will of the Lord? Okay. I'm going to release it to the pastor. No, I just wanted to say something because I ju it just hit me just now. When we think about what happened with Abraham and, and, and Sarah, we really think about, we, we find ourselves, here we go, connecting all of the scriptures back to the story of Adam and Eve. If you did, if you read the actual text, Abraham was hesitant to even take on um, 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 Hagar, right? He didn't really want to do it. He didn't desire to do it. It wasn't his desire to um, take on his maid servant and have a child by her. But he he um, did what his wife told him to do because he loved her. You know, he saw the stress that it was for her to be barren. He saw the stress that it was putting on her and the in the shame that it was putting on her not to have um, a child of her own. So he submitted to her will instead of staying in the will of God. The same thing happened with Abraham. Abraham, Eve was tricked. Um, that's something that we're clear on. She was deceived into eating the fruit. But in Eve's deceit, she show, she she offered it to a, um, Adam, who was standing there, saw the deceit, knew that God had made a promise to him, knew that it was outside of the will of God, and chose the will of his wife and the desire of his wife over the will of God. And so we find this in two separate points, this story, this fallen nature con constantly duplicating itself consistently and every time it duplicates itself is is disaster so now you have hagar who now has a son that is not a part of the original promise but now who um 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 you know abraham loves and and does not want to see to see because a lot of people try to make it seem like abraham didn't love, love his son no he loved his son you know it, it distressed him greatly for this to have to happen um to his son but just like apostle said we are not understanding the full customs of that time. So it is imperative that when we're reading the word, that we don't take the word out of the culture. Um, a lot of times when we read the word, we like to remove the word from its culture and put it into our culture. And so we find ourselves offended because we removed it out of culture. You need to leave the word in the culture and understand the culture of that time and why it was so important and what was happening during that time. And I just think that's dope because, like I said, we're sitting here constantly connecting the dots back to that fallen nature. And, and if man wants to say that they're not falling, we find biblical examples of the fallen nature constantly repeating itself. Praise the Lord. Praise Beautifully the Lord. Uh, broken down. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> 
Praise God. Praise God. You know, saints, I want you to understand, we do not rehearse this on on Uh-oh. Sorry, I had a little delay a second, on my thanks. video. <laughs> Amen. Um, we do not rehearse this specifically because we want it to be a movement of God. We want it to be a movement of God. Yes, we're trying to cover text. We're not here to sermonize you, but we want it to be a movement of God. We need logos with Rima, not logos with an academic affliction, not Rima like a, like a, I'm sorry to say this, not Rima like a wayward witch where anything supernatural is good because it's supernatural. Satan is supernatural. You could get supernatural from the devil. We want supernatural from the Holy Ghost. And the only way we can be sure that supernatural is coming from the Holy Ghost is if it's in alignment with the Logos. Because how many know the Logos is the word and Christ is the word made flesh. So the word is like Yeshua in suspended animation. So we need the word to confirm that we tuned into the right station and that we're reciting and regurgitating and acting out of a divine nature of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. And what's very powerful about everything that's been said is man was so consistent at yielding to his wife, even when God said otherwise, that ultimately the Jews were told by God, do not marry a woman outside of the Lord, for when you grow old, she will surely turn you aside from me and cause you to worship foreign gods. So women of God, you have a great power as the spirit of the home. We won't even go into that because we'll be here all day, (laughs) but that's another topic for another time. But women of God as the spirit of the home, because the woman is the church, right? And the church, the ecclesia, the assembly is governed by the Holy Spirit, right? And the man who's the Christ of the home, for husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, presenting her to yourself as a radiant church without spot blemish, okay? And so then the children become the members of the church, the part of the ecclesia that is manifested through the wisdom of the wife. So you have great power. And even though the man might have all this power when he's younger, when he gets older, he softens. And when he softens, your power strengthens. You don't get older, you get better. We're talking spiritual. So yeah, why are you trying to get the dye out, the gray out your hair and you trying to get them eyes together? Remember that in the spirit, you don't get older, you get better. You age like wine spiritually. You get stronger and stronger and stronger. It's the man who gets old. <laughs> he says, as he ages, the spirit of the woman will dominate. So men of God, if you've not been doing your priestly assignment, you're in trouble. Woman of God, if you're not in alignment, everybody's in trouble. Praise the Lord. Just a little extra for no extra charge. So we move on now to the covenant of circumcision. And it's powerful in the covenant of circumcision because we're going to read chapter 17 of Genesis. And it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. 
you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram, which means great father, right? You will be called Abraham, great father of a multitude. Those of you reading with me go, where's that great father part? The word Abram means great father. Okay. And then when you when I say, and your name will be Abraham, great father of a multitude, you go, where does it say that? Abraham means uh, father of a multitude. Okay. For I have made you a father of many nations. Now you understand the definition of the word Abraham. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come of you i will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for generations to come to be your god and the god of your descendants after you the whole land of canaan where you are now an alien i will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and i will be their god then god said to abraham as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be a sign of a covenant between me and you. For generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or brought with the money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He will have broken the covenant. Now, I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters in Christ. How many have heard that we have the circumcision of the heart? So then the circumcision of the heart is symbolic of this circumcision. So when you're no longer here and in your prayer closet, read Genesis chapter 17 and ask yourself, have you broken covenant with the father as far as the circumcision of the heart? Have you allowed God to cut off the flesh? You who are born again in him, who received the covenant of spiritual circumcision? Have you abided in it? Or are you cut off from the people? But also said, as for Sarah, your wife, Sarah, Sarai, your wife, which means princess, you are no longer to call her Sarah, her name, uh, Sarai rather, her name will be Sarah, which means my princess. Now God has taken her in as a princess. So she had royalty as proclaimed by her father, now she gets royalty proclaimed from her heavenly father. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of the people will come out of her. Now, we all know the story. Abraham didn't believe it because he's too old. We know that story. So we don't need to regurgitate stuff you know. And you read the scriptures. I'm sure there's many, many people that have preached on that particular subject, which is why I'm focusing on the other one. A lot of us who were born in Christ as Gentiles um, kind of uh, ignore the spiritual Dujaic responsibility. But And so when they read this chapter 17, they feel it's irrelevant to them. But it is very relevant to you because the physical circumcision was a spiritual representation of the spiritual circumcision. 
Come on now, somebody. And so the reality is that when we read these scriptures, we not not to gloss over them like as if they are insignificant to us because we're not Messianic Jews or we're not Jewish, for we are spiritual Jews. And everything that took place in Judaism was symbolic of a spiritual revelation. Um, before I pass it on to the pastors, there was a question, reflection question. Have you broken covenant with the Father or have you abided in it? And so when you reread chapter 17, he says, 14, any uncircumcised male, we're in verse 14 of chapter 17, any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. We know that spiritual circumcision is a cutting off of the flesh. Now, in the physical flesh, they can't sew the foreskin back on. So circumcision was once and forever. But we know that we can uncircumcise ourselves, right? We can rock back with the flesh. So the question that you need, a reflection question for each and every one of you is, are you in covenant of the circumcision or have you broken the covenant of the circumcision? At least to the pastor, she'd like to speak to now this is gonna this is gonna sound real preachy so i want y'all to know he gave y'all all that and then he said have you <laughs> have you broken covenant with the father and have you abided in it and um yeah i think what's um amazing about the covenant of, of, of circumcision is at the end where it says anyone who is not circumcised right and so he goes um any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people um, he has broken my covenant. And so what I like about what the apostle said is, and, and the reflection question in and of itself, have you broken covenant with the father and have you, um, or have you abided in it? And a lot of us are called before we are circumcised of the heart. And I want y'all to, I want y'all to hear me. A lot of us are called before we are circumcised of the heart. And, and, and let's talk about Moses because this, this, time this this was in Moses time and the, the Holy Spirit was leading me to this um as the apostle was talking because Moses was called by God but he was still walking in disobedience because his son of Zip with Zipporah um I think that's her name Zipporah right apostle that's how you said Zipporah um was not circumcised so as you know he, he took on you know after all the discussion he said he finally decided to go out he finally decided to do the will of god he was going but he forgot he forgot that he did not keep an initial covenant with god he forgot that there was some undue things there were some things that needed to be handled before he actually went out and one of those things was the circumcision of his son and because moses should have known this moses should have been sitting with the lord after after that first meeting with god he should have been sitting with the lord surveying what was going on surveying what he needed to do surveying what was happening so that he could walk fully in what god called him to do he didn't do that and the lord was was mad and he was furious with him because you like i didn't showed you myself i didn't told you what you're gonna do i didn't gave you the power and, and i'm giving you the ability to do it and and that's where that relationship piece we miss it that relationship he didn't gain relationship from that meeting that he would sit with god and understand the other areas that he he had still continued to fail at or he was falling and so god was going to kill him on the way to egypt god was going to kill him but his wife 
Zipporah had enough sense to realize and see what was going to happen. Um, and I believe she just felt the presence of the Lord that she circumcised their son and put the foreskin on Moses's foot to put him back in obedience with God. And sometimes we need people in our lives that's going to cut the thing that is offending God to put us back at the feet of God. And so I just looked at that whole situation where God was like, I made a mandate. I said, I'm saying in this season that, you know, sin, the wages of sin is death. And although I have called you, although I have saved you, although I have anointed you, you have not circumcised the sin off of your heart. So I'm sending somebody that is going to come in and they are going to begin to cut the thing, the sin, the issues that are in your life life so that you can be back in alignment with me so that you can carry out my will so that you are not an offense to me so i think that we have to really look at this this whole symbolism and how god used all of this to really to really really show his glory praise the lord Ernest, would you like to share as well yeah uh way to bring it home i was i was looking for the scripture I remember my first time reading that about Moses. I was like, that's God's best friend. Then all of a sudden, God was like, I'm going to go kill him. I'm like, oh, man, why would he do that? And then I didn't, it, it, like you say, you brought it all together. It's because, yeah, if we actually look, this is very deep. So we started on chapter 12, right? Chapter 12 is called the call of Abram. Chapter 17 is called the covenant with Abram, Abraham. So Pastor C is right. There was a call, then there was a covenant. If you look at the call, you know, I've called you from your father's house into a land. So then the relationship is cultivated through all, all these ups and downs. Lot passing away, having an illegitimate son, having another son. You got to sacrifice something, not gonna and then boom. Okay, it's time for the covenant now. And not only this covenant, I'm going to build this covenant off my other previous covenants that I had. So, um... That was that was a beautiful beautiful way to tie that in, uh, Pastor C. It was it was funny when you started. I was like, dang, that's that's what I was I was gonna say some of that, but um, you did you did a much better job at articulating it better than I did. So that was that was beautiful. So I I think that's really why because we, we break down these sections and I always question like why these sections? Why why are we reading these particular things? What did Jesus show the Jews that hey this I want you to read this on this day and this is why because remember certain days bring about certain readings so i believe this is this is to show you that relationship between um god and abram the, the, the call and the covenant praise the lord praise the lord so saints give Ernest a break i speak and then the pastor speaks by the time it gets to Ernest, pastor pastor drop so much i dropped so it's like y'all didn't leave nothing for me to, to serve you served it all up <laughs> maybe sometimes we need to go the other way let Ernest. <laughs> No, y'all do y'all do a good job, man. When y'all start speaking, I just start looking for scriptures. I just start, I just start looking because I know what y'all talk about. Let me go, let me go post this, let me go post this, let me go post this. So the people can see, you know, I always think, okay, maybe like that part with Moses, somebody didn't know that. And for Pastor C to be able to recall that in this particular situation that fast, you know, you figure, you know, average person tuning in for the first time. They might not know so i try to give them a scripture reference so they can look at it or at least take a screenshot and come back to it later that's a very profound scripture i'm going to go kill him now that's deep but yeah 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So, saints, that covers our reading portion for this segment. For the students who are wondering why they're reading the, the Haftarah portions, these are the prophetic or historical portions from the Old Testament that go along with the Torah portions, and why we're reading the gospel portions, understand that we're going through the Bible in one year, so the focus is always going to be the Torah portion when we're doing this part. When we're doing the next part, then it will be uh, more focused on whatever is in that other Bible set of scriptures that we're reading, it's, which leads me to another amazing point for us. We are now at week three. I told you going into week four, we'd be redesigning your reading plan to include the training for service book and to do the Bible in one year. I am aware that some of you students don't have those two books. Don't sweat it. For those of you who don't even know what I'm talking about, don't worry. We're going to put them in the text. We're going to put comments in the, uh, the live that will give you the ISBNs or the books if you'd like to follow along. Those of you who are auditing or are interested in degrees or diplomas, no worries. You can continue to audit. It's free. Um, for those of you who are matriculating, realize that you are going to have to be in communication with us. And like the pastor said, register so that we know that we're actually tracking you for the purpose of giving you uh, your 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 paperwork. Amen. So um, that ends this portion. I'm going to ask if either the pastor Ernest, which one of you guys would like to close us out in prayer today? Ernest? Oh, me? Okay. <clears throat> Let us bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together on this, uh, this platform, Father God. We ask that this word be residual, Father God, that it go out to your people and it be placed on their hearts, Father God, that they'll be able to understand it, conceive it, that they will know that it's you speaking to them, Father God, not just humans on this, but this is a spirit-led move, Father God. We thank you for the souls that, that are going to be reached, the souls that are going to come to this ministry, the souls that are going to sign up for this school, Father God. I ask that you protect these leaders on this line, Father God, even Pastor AK, even Pastor Jen, Father, the ones that aren't visible. Keep them, keep them close to you, Father God. Keep them close to your word. Keep them close to your spirit, Father God. Keep them close to the revelation, Father God, for this is not easy. This is not an easy walk. This is not an easy task to bear, Father God. Let us not be arrogant. Let us not get haughty, Father God. Keep us close. Keep us close to your son. Keep us close to the cross, Father. We thank you for this. Forgive us, Father. Forgive us of our sins. The ones we know about, the ones we don't know about. Forgive us for anything that might have been said out of an un untimely manner today, Father God. Anything that might have been said out of arrogance, Father God. Anything that might have been said with the wrong spirit, Father. Forgive us for we only want to do right in your eyes. We only want to do what you have called us to do in the time, the timely manner, in the timely fashion that you called us to do it, Father God. So lastly, Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We don't take this for granted. And we ask that you just continue to cleanse and uh, purge our hearts, Father, so we can receive the individuals that are soon to come and receive the individuals uh, with the open heart. And we see them just as you see them, Father God, in your eyes. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Um, Quick note. The uh, so what everybody was talking about Wednesday, we do a Zoom session, so it looks like this, but there's a lot more people. You guys know what a Zoom looks like, so it's a lot more people. So it's almost like a uh, it's like a virtual school, but with think about like 20 to 30 people on the Zoom, and everybody obviously is is uh saved, everybody has their own gifting, has their own anointing, has their own unique calling. So it's it's a 
it's very heavenly to be a part of that Zoom, to see the way the Father moves throughout each vessel, to see the way the Father uses each vessel um, in their own special way. So I encourage everybody to log on to that. Um, you can, like, like Pastor C said, you can sign up for the school. You can get all that Zoom information. You can jump on there. It's free. If nothing else, just come check it out. See if you like it. At least check it out to say you can say, uh, hey, I checked it out. I don't like it. It's not for me. At least you can say that. At least you can say that out of the, the, the honesty, out of the uh, the pureness of your heart, instead of just saying, oh, it's something else. I've seen something like this before. I'm, I'm good. So be honest with yourself. Praise the Lord. Saints, we will again answer any comments. So if you've watched this as a recording, don't feel like you got disconnected from the live and somehow you missed out. If you put a question in there, we'll treat you like you were a live viewer. We'll actually answer those questions, okay? For those of you who listen to this on a podcast, realize that you can also connect with us by just doing a search for First Century Christ Church International and you'll find me, Apostle William Kevin Britt. You can also look for Church Philly and you'll come in contact with Pastor C and Pastor AK. Okay, so keep us all in prayer and we'll keep you all in prayer and stay blessed.